0: In Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are on into Genesis chapter 13. We're following Abraham, Abraham through his life and uh, seeing the different things that happened in his life. uh, We're beginning to move toward the covenant God made with Abraham and very excited to to, uh, study that. And uh, we're in, in the life of Abraham. And it says, Abraham went up from Egypt. This is after his little time in Egypt. It said he went up from Egypt. And he and his wife and all that he had and Lot with him to the south. And notice Lot's moving with him, but he's moving behind him. Lot's following him because he's going up out of Egypt. It's actually letting us know that there's a lot of people coming up out of Egypt. In fact, it says it was Abraham was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. And you know what? This uh, tie is constricting me. But what I love about this is there is a great effort, there's a great effort always and always has been to make God in man's image. Everybody wants to to make God okay with their political theories, okay with their social theories, okay with everything that they believe. And one of those one of those arguments has been recently, one of those arguments has been that God is God is for the poor or God is for the rich. And the truth is, if you go to scripture, you will find that well God's not that's not really what God's in the business. God speaks about money. Jesus does the most of any subject in the New Testament, but the what he's speaking about money mainly that you not it not be the Lord over you. Is that money doesn't you, you do that money doesn't troll you that money doesn't make you its master that you're the master of what God has given you and what God has blessed you and there is the idea you say, he says it's easier for a rich man to go through the eye of the needle than it's even easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and then you got then you got somebody that turned around and say, Abraham was a rich man and Daniel was a rich man and there were lots of rich men who Joseph of Arimathea, who gave the tomb for Jesus. He was a wealthy man. The truth is, the kingdom of God is full of uh, both rich and poor. You've got the widow's story of the widow's might, and uh, Jesus said, the "Foxes the foxes have holes, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay His head." And so He, what He was saying was, "I don't, I, I don't have any wealth." And so, as, as you, as you just kind of weave through scripture, you realize that God's not making statements as to whether or not he, he is, there's some virtue to being wealthy or there's some virtue to being in poverty. Paul says, I've known what it is to be wealthy and poor. I, he says, I've learned to be satisfied. I've learned to be content in, in, in plenty and in want. What he's saying is I've learned to be content in God when things are plentiful and when things are little or nothing. And I think probably that passage is the most enlightening to us about wealth and what God has to say about that in Scripture. What Paul was saying was I've learned to trust in God and be content, meaning learning to enjoy and have joy in life, whether I was wealthy or whether I had nothing and paul was one of those men in scripture that you could easily say he understood both he had risen as as a jewish man in in israel to a high spot he was the uh, he was the chief prosecutor for the court and for the roman i mean for the jewish sanhedrin and he went out and hunted christians he was obviously a man of great knowledge he was obviously a man of great education and he was obviously a man of great wealth and then he also spent many a day in prison and many a time in, in, in starvation or not having enough food to eat. So he knew what it was to be in plenty, and he knew what it was to be in want. And he said, "I've learned to be content in one." He did not say that one was better than the other or one was more important than the other. What he was saying was, what he was saying was, "If I'm in the center of God's will, that's what matters the most." And how much you have is not an indication, as in the Old Testament, they believe that how much you have is, was an indication of the blessing of God in your life, and how much, you, how much you had mattered as far as how God viewed you. And we have that even today in our health and wealth gospel that's preached pretty regularly in our country. How much you have is an indication of how much of the blessings of God you have, and that's just not true. It's not true. The rich the story of the rich man and Lazarus was given by Jesus to that generation to let them know that the amount of wealth that you have is not an indication of the relationship that you have with God. And Lazarus was the beggar at the city gates, and he found himself in heaven, and the rich man found himself in Hades or in in the bad part of Sheol. He wasn't in paradise, he was in Hades. And, and so we see that that if, you're, if the focus of your life is on money, then the focus of your life's in a bad spot. It's not on money. It's on, it's on God's plan and God's purpose for you. The focus of your life has to be your walk with God and not your walk with your pocketbook. And if the focus of your life and the focus of how you deal with other people is based off of what they have, you're going to live a life that is not fruitful in the kingdom of God. You're gonna live a life that is oftentimes gonna be very painful. And even if you attain to great wealth and you believe that's important, you will find it unfulfilling. You'll find it unhelpful and unhopeful. I've been around many people who are people of great faith who had very little. And so the health and wealth doctrine uh, doesn't work for them because their faith and their joy and their contentment in life was great and they had very little. Likewise I've been around some great people who had lots of money and had the gift of giving and were people of, of great wealth and yet they were people of great faith and and they used the gifts that God had given them to build the kingdom of God and it's not the issue is not the issue is not the new gospel that is the gospel of health and wealth it's also not the socialist gospel that we see preached uh, throughout South America and uh, other parts of the world where, where, and you'll even in our country, in some quarters where, where poor the poor and the downtrodden are extolled. It's, the issue is, has nothing to do with what you have. The issue is who you are, who you trust in, and who you live your life uh, to glorify. And if your life is being lived to glorify God, and you trust in him, then the amount of wealth you have is his decision and not yours. And uh, his decision for you is always for your best. And you ought to look at it that way. And you ought to see it that way. And you ought to rejoice in God choosing for that. And I would say to you this morning that 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 is of great importance, that we not get focused on money as individual believers, but that we focus our lives on walking with God. It says, he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. And that's a that's a little area, and it's very small area. Ai and Bethel are, are two little towns, not many more than two or three miles apart, maybe as many as five. And they're probably about 15 miles north of Jerusalem, modern-day Jerusalem. And those two towns were the original place that he met with God. They were the original place where he set up his altar and worshipped. They were in the center. I'll say it again. They were in the center of God's will for him because God's will was him to, for him to go to Canaan and to go to a land he did not know and live among a people he did not know. And let me tell you something. He did. He went to a town he didn't uh, he didn't know, and he lived among a people he didn't know, and he trusted God uh, there. And then fear stepped in, and fear fear drug him to to Egypt. But once he'd had that experience, once he'd had that experience, he found himself back in the center of God's will. I want you to notice that God always brings us back to the place where we left Him. Oftentimes, we want to uh, we want to find a place we want to find a place where God has left us and, uh, and uh, where we left God and then go and meet him somewhere farther down the road. That's not the way it works. When you walk off the path, when you leave the path that God has for you, he always brings you back to where you started. Not back to where you started on the path, but wh- back where you ended walking with him. And uh, that place is an important place. It's an important place. Now, he's going to move you forward again, and you're going you're to keep going. But you've got to come back to where you left him. And that story of the prodigal son, and him coming and taking all his father's blessings and all his all his of his inheritance and wasting it, in riotous living. Notice he has to come back, and he comes back right back to where he started. He's lost a great deal in that, and he has suffered loss. But he right back in the middle of his father's will, he comes right back to the place where he left. Abraham does the same thing. Now Abraham comes back and he is he's found increase. He's found increase because God said He was going to bless him. He's found increase. He's found increase even though he is he's allowed fear to overcome him. So a lot of times God blesses us and God takes care of us even in the midst of us not walking by faith with Him. He and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that He causes us to sin and walk in no faith. What if the full results of our faithlessness were manifest in our lives? it kill us. Our faithlessness is, is dangerous and it's terrible. And when we don't trust him, uh, we put ourselves in some horrible positions. And God's grace sustains us, even though we are being faithless. He does take care of us. Thank, praise God he does, because if he didn't, I'm telling you. How many times can you think back on your life and think of times when you were like that prodigal son and riotous living out there and and just doing as you pleased, and walking as you pleased, and being who you pleased to be, and miss out, miss totally out on God's blessing and His plan for you. But God didn't allow some of the things that could have happened to happen in your life. He didn't allow those things to destroy you. How many of y'all have? How many of y'all have, have experienced that? I have experienced it many times. That God's that God took care of me because I could have took myself out. I sure could have. And I could have ruined my hope, but God sustained and made sure he watched out for me. And praise God that he does that. I'm thankful that he does that. I'm thankful that he, uh, he, he does. He's watching out for me, even though I'm not necessarily watching out for myself. And praise God that, that, that God's, God's on our side, because if he wasn't on our side, we'd be for sure lost. I love it that he comes back to the place where he built the altar, where he worshiped God. That's where you meet God, the very best place to come back and meet God. A lot of times you'll run into somebody. I grew up in church. I had this church experience. I I grew up, my my dad was a deacon, or my mom taught Sunday school, or my my great-grandfather was a preacher, and I can remember going to church. I can remember going to church with him when I was a little boy, and I just hadn't been in church in 10 years, or I hadn't. I just stop going or I stop doing this for those type people we're not talking about people who haven't known God but we're talking about people who've known God and wandered away from the faith the best place for them to meet God back up and to renew and rekindle that relationship and walk in that relationship that's at the altar it's 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 at the place where God's people are meeting with Him and worshiping Him, and I would encourage you if you have a friend who is in that position—they're the kind of person who who has missed out on on God for a long time and have wandered into their own will and their own way as far as their life is concerned. I would say to you that the best thing you can tell them is come to you, come with you to church. Not meet me at church, but I want to—I want you to be there and us uh, sit together and us uh, praise God and us seek God out together in church. Let's go worship together. Let's go meet with God together. Really, that's what you're saying to them. You're saying to them, let's go meet with God together. And what you're doing is taking them by the hand and leading them back to the place where they should have never left, but they have. Uh, They have missed out on a whole lot. But you know what? That sorrow can be turned to joy and that pain can be turned to God's very best. And so offering that opportunity for someone is a great blessing to them. And it's a great blessing for us. It's the opportunity to go out there and find those lost sheep and to bring those sheep back into the fold. And what a great thing to do. If somebody's wandered away, if fear has driven them out, if hopelessness or, or one of the tragedies of life has taken them far away from God, why don't we go out there and bring them back to God? Bring them back to where we meet with God in worship because you bring them to, to that worship service where the Spirit of God is moving in power where the Son of God is being glorified, where the Father is where the Father is sitting on His throne and he is, he is being seen and known, and we're going before Him and worship. What a great place for them to reunite with the Father and meet with Him again. And uh, I'll tell you, we've seen it many times in the church that we're in right now, even though we've only been meeting for 18 months. We've seen many people come and, and meet with God and have their lives centered and placed back in the right place where they should be. And uh, it's, it's a great time of hope. It's a great time of hope. And we as a people need to be doing that. We need to be uh, going after those who don't know Christ, but we also need to be going after those who have wandered away from the faith. We really need to be doing that. And I can tell you this, in the area that we live in, there's a whole lot of them out there. And so there's a lot of sheep wandering out in the woods and they don't even know where they're at. Just go get them, go grab them, go uh, go tell them and tell them uh, about the things that is going on in your life that God has blessed you with. Tell them about how good it is to be in the presence and at the altar of God. Tell them how powerful it's been for you. And let me tell you, that'll be attractive to them because they do know that. They do know what it's about to have a relationship and a walk with God. They just missed out on it. And they've missed out on it, but mostly, almost completely because of their choice. But you know what? Like I said, if our lives and everything we had was based off of our own choosing and our own will and our own, we would be lost because the heart of man is replete with wickedness. He is, uh, he's gone his own way and he's chosen his own will and that's separate from God's will and God's way completely and totally. And uh, if it was based on us, we'd be lost forever. As we finish go get them go get those wandering sheep out there in the woods and hidden in the hidden down the dark paths and bring them in and we'll bring them before the father and let the father place that robe and that ring on them and 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 welcome them back to his family and to his people let's go do that this week as you go today i pray that the lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope And peace today in Jesus' name.